What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Bullpen Cart Podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and Greg Piatelli breaking down the MLB trade deadline. We talk about the Juan Soto trade, a bunch of the other major impact trades that teams across Major League Baseball made. We break down the Phillies and the Red Sox, what we liked, what we didn't like out of our teams. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Thunderblog Sports is the handle there. ThunderBLG on Twitter. But enjoy this week's episode. Enjoy the second half. We will talk to you soon. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, namesake of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me after a few weeks, because we took a week off at the All-Star break, we had Matt Marcus on last week, had a lot of great reviews from that. We're going to have him on soon to talk some more baseball, especially now with Jacob DeGrom back on his Mets, but... The return of the prophet, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you? Uh, doing great. I think uh, last week was good. Um, you know, they don't, there's not the chemistry. Uh, I don't know if the chemistry is there. Um, you know, but uh, <laughs> just kidding. Last week was awesome. You guys crushed it. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate um, that. Matt's a good dude. Matt, uh, I know him from right. a couple different avenues i was his producer for lehigh women's basketball and then worked as a producer for him and a number of guys at what was espn radio the lehigh valley and now fox sports the lehigh valley although matt's not there anymore but uh he's an awesome dude we interact a lot on twitter giving each other a lot of shit about the phillies and the mets so it's awesome to get him on and like i said he's gonna come on hopefully plenty of times more in the future i mean are you about to take this thing next level we're going to take it to the next level, Greg. It's you and me and Matty D because football is about to come back. So Matt, Matt now is is he's back into the family. He's the prodigal son. We send him off on a you know, vision quest, although we didn't do the NFL draft this year. So we, really the vision quest has been very long. Sometimes we get a little check-in when he tells us about guys. I haven't even really gotten – this is an actual – I'm not even playing this up for the podcast. I think I've only talked to him about A.J. Brown. I don't think I've talked to him about any other player the Eagles have drafted. I've talked to plenty of other people about – all the other dudes, but I think I've only talked. The only player I think I've talked to Matt was literally when the AJ Brown trade went down. So, little little tease. Now back to pumping up the podcast for when we start doing NFL I, uh, shows. I mean, Matt is going to come in hot. That's what happens when you have a child. Yeah, that's true. Matt Matt has a kid, um, which I think we acknowledge that his wife is pregnant around the Super Bowl, but we might not have. Uh, but yeah, Matt has a kid now, so there's a show announcement. But hopefully that all works out. So why well, don't you uh, recap, recap some of the trades? <laughs> so we are here to recap the, the Major League Baseball trade deadline. We have a lot to go through. There was, to not directly quote, but paraphrase the Phillies' Dave Dombrowski in an interview for during the game today where the Phillies split their season's or split their series and still have 
I believe their season series split with the Braves. But he talked about how there is no that this might have been the most busy trade deadline he's ever seen. There had not been a previously busier trade deadline day. They talked about and Matt and I talked about this a little bit last week of because there's no more waiver deadline. Obviously, when we first started the show five years ago, that that still existed. The Justin Verlander trade. There was that whole weird trade with the Indians with I forget which player was going to get traded from them or they were trying to pick up. But that existed, and then it went away, I think, in 2019. I don't think that was a COVID casualty. But now there's the one trade deadline, and now there's six teams from each league making the playoffs. So coming into it, you were wondering, because you saw in the last couple years with the waiver deadline on September 1st, of teams waiting to see where they were where they were at. And we saw all sorts of trades come over the board from a number of different teams, and some teams that are both in playoff positions – making trades with each other, one being the Padres acquiring Josh Hader from the Brewers, who still lead the NL Central. The big one that we'll break down in a couple minutes here, Juan Soto going to the Brewers after Matt and I both thought it probably wasn't going to happen. The the proverbial snowball continued to pick up steam, or steam and more snow as it went down the hill and that, that trade went down and we saw a number of other moves happen. We saw Frankie Montas go to the Yankees along with Lou Trevino and, or I know there's Trevino and Trevino or Trevino and Trevino. One has an Enya, one doesn't one was already on the Yankees and now they have a closer by the same name. So Trevino to Trevino or however it works, it's going to be funny to see there. But Greg, before we jump into the, all the trades, I just, I'm burying the lead. Juan Soto, the biggest name on the market, three years left, or really two and a half years left of control, but three postseasons, going to the San Diego Padres. Greg, I'm going to ask you for your analysis in a minute, but I need to circle back. We were talk- we started to talk about this a little pre-show, but you had the Padres in the playoffs. I, I said I need to see, I need to see it happen, and I think I was wrong. So congratulations, Greg. Break down this trade for me. That's right again. Um, <laughs> you you didn't expect me to admit I was wrong, did you? Just, just gonna let me get away with it. No, you're pretty good about that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, less about giving me credit, but I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, with the names of Otani and Trout and Soda, like there were so many big names that are that go out, and you know, year over year, you hear about this and that, and you know, normally a pitcher and you don't really hear of like a, I guess Verlander getting traded at the deadline. That was a big one. Well, that was a waiver deal. Oh yeah, that was the po- that was that weird year they had the waiver rules. But and then well, they had it for a while, year. and now and then it went away. I think that was it was a pre-COVID casualty, if I remember correctly. And then Scherzer, Scherzer last year, like you said. So, but like this is different because both those guys are older. Like this to me, he's twenty three years old. Yeah, 23 years old, a cornerstone of whatever. And even if it's only for two or three years, and then, you know, he's going to sign a crazy contract because they have other guys they've already signed for crazy contracts. You know, this is a good little move for them. You know, if they can get the pitching to match and, uh, you know, figure out if Tatis can stay healthy, if he can regain any of his form that he had, 
you know, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, I guess my question is, you get you saw Soto all the time. Is he really? And you see the real deal. Is he? Is he? Because like you're talking about a guy that the Nationals said, all right, we can give up Bryce Harper, arguably the biggest prospect in baseball that they've had in the last 20 years, right? Bryce Harper, you were hearing stories about him in middle school. Like, or I guess sophomore year of high school. school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sophomore year of high school. It was was LeBron levels of hype. Yeah. So you're talking about giving up the biggest prospect, you know, for this kid, Soto, right? And now, I, I mean, the Padres gave up their three top prospects and bunch of picks and da 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 and it's just like we're four top prospects and uh, is 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 Soto worth it because essentially you're talking about a guy now that has Bryce Harper and these four potential MLB players right you, you know if prospects so not all four are going to hit but even if two hit you know if it's a two for one deal you know what I mean like there, there's it's just is this kid worth it you know Simply put, yes, he's worth it. The guy clobbers home runs left and right. You saw it a little bit in the home run derby of what he's able to do. He doesn't just have a powerful bat. He's a great fielder, has a good arm, fast player, and, you know, is one of the more versatile players in the league. And I think if you can go out and get that, and I think the amount of control that you have over this player, which is – Part of why I didn't think this deal was going to go through, or a deal, not even this deal. Once it like once the Padres and a number of players really started to to hit the you know number of teams and players in the you know trade sense started to, to make waves. It seemed like this was going to happen, and somebody was going to beat it to the punch. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Of was a team going to overpay? To your point of if one or two of these guys hit. The Nationals now have guys that can, you know, be new cornerstones. But this is a guy who has so much talent and is already there. And you have for not just this postseason run, because the Padres are in second place in that in the NL wild card right now. They would face the they would face the Mets if the season ended today. And no, no they wouldn't face the Mets. They would face. Oh, they would face the, the Braves and. Seeing that, they would face the so the first and second wild card face each other. The third wild card, which is currently the Phillies, would play the third division winner, which is currently the Brewers. And, yeah, this team, I mean, I looked it up as you were talking. Soto and Josh Bell, who it's worth noting, he was thrown in this deal as well. It almost got fucked up because Eric Hosmer was originally thrown into the deal. Then he didn't waive his no-trade clause, so Luke Voigt ended up being the other side of it who they just traded for from the Yankees, but I don't think they're really crying about that too much because Josh Bell can hit home runs just like Luke Voigt can and can fill in different gaps, mainly the designated hitter position. His fielding, I don't think, is still totally there, although he still does play it every once in a while. But what Soto yeah, but they got rid of San Diego got rid of both first basemen, so they kind of need him to play first. Yeah, and he, Tatis is playing. Tatis is dh because he, he's been injured. Yeah, Josh Bell just, is playing first base tonight, so... The point of me of what I was saying is I looked up Soto and Bell both walked and just scored because Brandon Drury, who they picked up from the Cincinnati Reds, just hit a grand slam. This nice. team has gone all in chips in the middle. 
They've seen what the Dodgers have done over the last couple of years, signing Trey Turner, trading for Mookie Betts, making these chips move into the push the chips into the middle type of moves. The thing that becomes interesting is that they are trying to do the quick math in my head. They are eight and a half games back of the Dodgers currently in the NL West. So like, does that race become closer? Is this something no. where now they're trying to chase Atlanta in terms of what, in terms of getting the home field in that three game wild card series? That seems more likely because they're three and a half games back of the first wild card spot. But now really all they got to do is get in. They have the offense to do it. They've had the pitching all year. We've talked about it with, Snell with Clevenger with you Darvish and really now they have Josh Hader one of the best closers in the game although ironically it was Juan Soto who hit the single into center field that whoever was replacing Christian Yelich bobbled and that's why the Nationals won the NL wildcard game in 2019 it was also Josh Hader that video made its made its way around the internet as that trade went down they're now teammates but this team Already with guys who are having really good years, the Yerks and Profars, maybe Chato's having a really good year, Jay Cronenworth's having a really good year. They have a platoon of Austin Nola and Jorge Alfaro, which is interesting. I'm surprised they didn't pull the trigger on a Wilson Contreras or something like that to really say we're we're the new super team. Dodgers, we'll see you in whatever round that's going to be. And but you know maybe I think, I think, have... I think the biggest difference is like the Dodgers are home built a little bit you know to a certain extent I mean yeah again, I mean they went out and bust, they went out and got some guys yeah no no you're right. they bets. went out and got some guys <laughs> no you're right but they also they, they're home built all look at all these pitchers like you know and look at the like guys like Muncie and all these other guys that they just sort of called up brought up whatever anyway um. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is this is this a long-term trade or is this a two-year trade? So that's really the million-dollar question or the multi, 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 $100 million question. Thank you. I was going to say a lot of multis. That, I don't think so because they've made different Did signings. Did they just give Tatis a long-term deal or no? They gave Tatis one. I believe they just gave... I'm going to look it up because I'm going to screw it up. But they gave somebody – they just gave somebody a long-term deal. And I, it was a pitcher. It was – and this is going to be all, – all their news is going to be Juan Soto stuff. Um, they Hopefully gave – Machado's, what, three years? Two more years? So maybe, maybe it's just like a – No, did Machado get a similar deal to uh, to Bryce Harper? Didn't he get a long-term deal? Oh, there you go. So there's there's two long term deals. So yeah, so they have a lot of long term money. Is is kind of the point we're trying to get at. So I don't I don't think so. And yeah, I, I can't scroll. So then, are we looking at this next year? Are we looking at this next year where they flip him again? So that that's the interesting conundrum, right? Of they could do that in not next year, not in 2023, but in 2024. If this doesn't work out, if they realize shit. We're going to have a season like last year where they had all the hype in the world of having Machado, having you Darvish, having Tatis, and then half their team gets hurt. You know, that happens. It happens to teams plenty of times of they have all the hype in the world and then players get hurt. A lot of players get hurt. The injury bug is contagious as shit. Um, 
I'm not going to continue a joke because we were, you know, COVID, but you know, that could happen that they decide, you know what, we can flip him. A team might really need him for a rental and we can get prospects back in return. That's a 2024 problem. It's August of 2022. This team is playing in a division with the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks who are not good. The Giants who are trying to figure out what the fuck they are. They were about to sell everything to the point that Jack Peterson and Carlos Rodon's names really were starting to seem like they were going to get moved. And then their asking price just went up, which had such a wrinkle into the third wild card spot between the Phillies Cardinals and them. Although I would say they're now the third horse in that race simply because they didn't, they sent Darren Ruff off to New York and, and they didn't, and you know, they didn't really add a ton, but to answer your question about, is this going to be a, it mean, Really, I guess the best way to put it is that it almost seems like it's a two and a half year rental instead of a two month rental. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see if they try or even broach a long term. You got to imagine he's he's asking for more money than Harper got, right? Oh, and he deserves and it. Mookie. I mean, he's also a Scott and Boris Mookie. client, and he yeah. deserves it. I mean, the way that he plays, how good he is, and some of the records that he broke in his rookie year. What he's been able to do throughout the yeah. next anyway, three years. Let's stop talking long term stuff. Let's stop talking. Let's stop talking long term. Sorry to cut you off. Let's talk about how it impacts this team this year. And you know, like you talked about, I don't know that they catch the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are only going to get better, and they're only getting healthier. And only you know, they stayed pat and somehow got better by osmosis, right? Well, they added Joey Gallo. Uh, the trade of the of the deadline. We're hyping up Juan Soto, but Joey Gallo went to them. Yeah, it sucks. Bad in a hundred. <laughs> anyway, um, you know it, that NL East. You know, we were talking about three teams from the NL East. Yeah. So, where do you want? Do you want to start with the, the Mets? Basically, standing pat, although they regained. No, I'm saying, uh, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, hang on. My point is like, my point is like, three teams in the NL East make it. That really only leaves one wild card spot, right? So, I mean, the real question, so the, like, the real thing about this, so, and I just alluded to it, is my point it, is my point is my point is like if you're not going to catch the Dodgers, I guess they are trying to catch the Dodgers, but if you're not going to catch the Dodgers, you're really trying to hold off the NL East and and whatever team that's not the Cardinals or Brewers. Yeah. So, let's just set the picture because I alluded to this a couple minutes ago of that the. Wild card situation, or really the National League, it's the Dodgers are the best record. The Mets are second, so they both would get a bye. Think of old NFL playoff style. The Brewers are currently two games up on the Mets. The Brewers are currently losing, or on, or on the, not the Mets, on the Cardinals. The Brewers are currently losing to the Pirates, so that could be low, less by the time you're listening to this. Then the wild card is the Braves' first wild card. They are three and a half games above the the Padres right now. Again, the Padres are up five nothing, so that could be less than what you just heard. The Padres are currently, and again, if the Padres win, this could be a larger lead. Currently, three games ahead of the Phillies, who are a half game ahead of the Cardinals, who were rained out today. So, I think Atlanta and San Diego, and we'll, we'll talk about Atlanta in a little bit. Of what they did, I think I. I wouldn't bet my mortgage on it, 
but I think the Braves and, and Padres are pretty much locked in that in those two positions. If they do, if the Dodgers really do lose some steam and and their starting pitching and their bullpen start letting up some runs, maybe that NL West lead starts to diminish. But the Padres, I think the other the other factor on the Padres making all these moves, the chips pushing into the middle of the pile and adding the Rolex and maybe the keys to the Ferrari is the fact that they were so close a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, and their July was horrendous. And that lead where they were jockeying for first place, and a lot of this also has to do with the Dodgers playing really good baseball. Your guy, Marcus Lynn Betts, really since May, but he had a really good July as well, really stepping onto another level. Really stepping onto another level there. And, I mean... Definitely, definitely in the MVP category. Or that, that's not a doubt. Yeah, so, best player in baseball. There are, yeah, there so, are players I mean, on St. Louis who is currently not in the wild card who might have something to say. But the third wild card is going to be between the Phillies, the Cardinals, and if the Giants can figure it out, maybe the Giants, but this is going to be a Phillies and Cardinals run, and they don't play each other for the rest of the year. I think San Diego and Atlanta, you can pretty much hard write in pencil, maybe not yet in pen, that they're going to be – the four and five and seeds would, playing after the, after the moves the Mets made, you could argue a hundred percent. So there there are arguments no. that there are arguments to Atlanta potentially catching the, the Mets, but the but the Mets the Mets have won eight of their last ten. They have gone back to the ground ball where they don't score runs for them. So we'll see how how that goes. I saw something today. I think they're forty yeah. and forty six in the last four years on Degrom starts, which is just upsetting. Like, like objectively, and you know it's funny. You know, it's funny is that he, he on days he pitches and he, he on days that Degrom pitches, he for the longest time was like second or third for most RBIs on those days. Yeah, he's a really good hitter. I mean, a lot of that. But now, that 2015 Mets team had some unreal hitting teams. But yeah, it's, but now he can't. Obviously, now he can't do that. But yeah. no, so 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 not to jump over, but yeah, to bring it back to Soto here because we're going to go down a rabbit hole talking about all these how it affects who and this and that, and we're going to continue talking about it as we go team by team or, or what, you know, whatever structure we decided. But the Padres and Soto and this huge mega monster deal, does it have the same effect Scherzer had with the Dodgers? You know, that sort of like, hey, our GM's all in belief to like, let's do this, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and and obviously it didn't work out for the Dodgers, right? But it, it it comes down to I don't think they're catching the Dodgers with all the all the monsters they have with you know, again, we didn't even talk about Freddie Freeman, but <laughs> Freddie Freeman, but all the monsters they have, all the, you know, pitching they have, the lead they have, I think it's just too too big, too too little time left. Um so now you're talking about the Padres who have to play the Dodgers X amount of more times and then hold off the three teams in the East as well as the Cardinals, Brewers, whatever. So, you know, is it possible? Do they do it? I mean, I would like to hope that if this guy, you know, if Soto is really as, as you know, I've only seen him. I mean, he's, he's, he is the real deal. 
know, but if, if he if he can come in and have an impact like he had when they won the World Series and, you know, last couple of years, then, yeah. I mean, this is especially playing West Coast with less pressure and all that. Like, and he's got Don Arcillo calling his games. I mean, <laughs> talk about a match made in heaven. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. That's just my full rap on the Soto thing. Do you, like, you know, the, the all-star superstar, like Soto good, was a good at the end of the day for them. Yeah. So I think what's interesting to your point of having to play the Dodgers, they play him 12 more times before the end of the season. And I'm seeing if that, no, they don't play anymore in, in the last week of the season. They play them 12 more times. They play the Diamondbacks. It looks like a decent amount. What's interesting is they face the Dodgers this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at Dodger Stadium. They face the Giants, and then they get 10 games against the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto returning, and Josh Bell, who, by the way, the, the Nationals gave a thank you on Twitter and Instagram to Josh Bell before they gave it to Juan Soto. So there's well, didn't something. Soto request a trade? No, he didn't. The ownership said that after he apparently turned down a deal that they wanted to extend him for. But they played 10 games, seven of which are against the Nationals, three against the Miami Marlins, which will be very interesting to see how they come out of that. So, the again, I said it before. I'll say it again. I think you can write the – unless some significant stuff happens, which I hope it doesn't. I'm not rooting for injuries from any team. I think you can write the Padres – at least into the wild card. I agree with you. I don't think they're catching the Dodgers in the division. As for their postseason potential, they have the starting pitching, at least a top three, to get out of the wild card round and then potentially make some noise against what, who would right now be the Milwaukee Brewers. If the St. Louis Cardinals have anything to say about it with the moves they made, maybe the St. Louis Cardinals. But maybe that's a good good jumping point to look at elsewhere in the NL and see what these other teams did because we mentioned it before the the Brewers traded Josh Hader to the Padres and got a couple guys back that are interesting to say the least right it's just a baffling move because you're a team that you've been relying on Hader for how many years and they swapped closes with the Padres and it just didn't doesn't make sense and my guy Dinelson. it just doesn't make sense i just don't this is chewbacca I... he lives I... on tattooing it doesn't make sense no nice. but what what makes sense out of out of this with the brewers they have they have guys who have been solid pieces for them coming out of their bullpen most notably, Devin Williams, who won Rookie of the Year a couple years ago. He presumably takes over the closer spot. They can use Taylor Rogers as you know, either an eighth-inning guy. They could use him as a closer, continue to use Devin Williams in the eighth inning. They still have ways to figure this out. They picked up Jake McGee, who's having a terrible year, but was a really good closer for the Giants last year in their division title run. So they have ways to try to figure this out. It, it's an interesting move to look at because it's something no one was expecting to see and they get some prospects out of it and maybe it's the Brewers thinking 
we have this guy who may not want to stay here and we can try to figure something out for it. So, you know, we'll, I, I guess, see. We'll see what this Esther, Estery Ruiz can do for him. And, you know, if, if he ends up cracking the, the starting lineup or what, whatever ends up happening there, you know, that they have options to see how this could potentially go. Yeah, is it is it almost like a move that's like we know we're not going to win, so let's get some pieces. But or is it like because it's almost like a fantasy baseball trade of like, hey, you know, like you have this guy, I have this guy, let's let's swap them. I'll throw these these two dudes in, and there you go. You just, know, nobody's gonna, nobody's going to veto this. Yeah, it just seems like you know from from the Brewers, it just especially if you're in first and you're this that, like it just doesn't. Long-term, it doesn't make sense. Well, I'd say long-term, it does. Not long-term. Sorry, not long-term. Sorry, not long-term. Not long-term. I meant, like, yeah, in yeah, you're right. In the season, like, you know, if you're in a playoff position, you know, you're, you're, you're almost telling your team, no, not our year. I guess, like, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some, like, there's something we don't know about something in the locker room. Maybe him, you know, he blew a couple games this year. Maybe that, like, struck guys the wrong way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe Devin Williams really, like, they really trust him. He's super young. He's still under team control. He's dominant in that facet of being able to do that, of being able to have that ability in the eighth inning. And if it doesn't work out, now they have Rodgers to be the ninth inning guy if, if Williams isn't going to be your closer and, and see there. I mean, Hater was the same way, right? Hater started as an eighth inning guy and then became a really good closer. So maybe that's their their thought process. I mean, it, it's really small market baseball at work, right? Yeah. I guess on the other side of things, though, the Cardinals made some very, very interesting deals out of their side of things. They end up acquiring Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees in one of the, uh, speaking of odd trades, Jordan Montgomery, after they added Frankie Montas, they trade him for Harrison Bader. Bader now a good defensive player that can be in the lineup for the Yankees and the Cardinals figuring it out. They've they've made some deals and figured out some ways to bolster their their lineup. And you know that they they've made some I mean they added Jose Quintana, but I don't know, like, it's, I feel like they were a team that had so much talk around what they could potentially do. They were apparently in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. They were a team to just watch out for, that they could make all these different types of additions, and they tinker in only the way that, I guess, St. Louis does. And looking at it from a biased perspective as a Phillies fan, Quintana was a guy that was, I feel like was lightly circled after he played the after the Phillies played the Pirates this weekend as a potential audition for him starting on Friday. He looked pretty good. His name obviously was huge a couple years ago when he was in Chicago, both Chicago teams. But now he's back in the spotlight in a St. Louis system that figures it out with pitching, or at least how to make guys look better. They have good starters, which should be a positive towards them, but now, I guess we got to see. We got to see what the Cardinals can end up doing because they should 
I mean, they, they should be better, I would think, unbiasedly as a Phillies fan. But, and, you know, I'm glad to see them struggling where they are. But I don't know. It, like, this is one where I think the Cardinals added, but not in the biggest splash that we wanted them to, right? Is this is this is this a um, we talk all the time about how sports are a copycat league and you know whatever is this uh, a case of look how look at the moves the Braves made last year and this year they made very similar moves this year yeah like this is this like one of those situations where it's like okay well clearly you don't need to go out and sell the farm to win a world series, right? You just need to get the right pieces and the right gel, if you will, or it be hitting at the right time or whatever. So it's, it, it almost, it, to me, it almost feels like that, right? They don't want to, cause they're not doing a rebuild, but they're the benefit of playing in a weak division. So like they're active, they're good, but rebuilding at the same time. Do you mean in the sense know, that they have so sense. many rookies that are performing really well? Yeah, and and exactly, and they don't want to sell anyone just for one, you know, like their thing in long term. And hey, if they win a World Series this year, great. Just like the the Braves did last year. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think the Cardinals are in such a, they're in a different spot than the Braves were because the Braves had a couple things going on. Right, they had some young guys. They had they just lost their best player. Cunha went out, and they went out and replaced right. him. They had Freddie Freeman out on his last year of his deal and, you know, all the stuff we've later found out aside, I think wanted to to really go in for that, push the chips into the table, but do it kind of while no one's looking, which is a lot of the moves that they did in adding guys like Johan Camargo, adding Rosario and all that last year. And like they still made a lot of different moves in adding those different guys. The Cardinals... They traded away an everyday player for Jordan Montgomery, who, you know, where he fits into this this team is, you know, up for debate. He pro- probably would be a starter, but I don't know. Are they going to go six-man rotation? Are they going to use him as a long-term guy? We'll have to see there. Then they add Quintana, who, again, a couple years ago was one of the biggest names in the trade market and has not been that for a couple years. And... You know, I get what you're saying on the copycat league side of things. Of We're going to add different guys who may not look like they're going to make a huge impact, but will be. But it's so weird to see the moves they ended up doing because of the different ways they can build their lineup, where they decide to use Nolan Gorman, Tommy Edmond, and, like, build it there and... I guess that's part of it, of, of they have a lot of homegrown talent and seeing what's going on there. But I guess they just need to play better baseball because they either are going to catch the, the Phillies, which they're only a half game behind, or they're two games back in Milwaukee. So they like they feel confident enough with the guys they have in here. And I guess to your point of you don't want to sell the farm, you don't want to trade away a Nolan Gorman, you don't want to trade away whomever, a young guy that they want to get, whether, you know, whether that's uh, – Yepes or whomever yeah. to try to like, I mean, I think you get- like you want to, I think you want to tell your guys, we don't want to tinker with this too much. We want to see like what we can do here and 
if it works out that we make the playoffs, great. But if it doesn't, we have the confidence now in next year and the fact that we are this. You know, going back to our previous hour, you and me, previous podcast of we are the St. Louis Cardinals and we are a team. We're an organization people want to play for, and we can just go from there because Yadier Molina's on his way out. Obviously, Albert Pujols is on his way out. Not that that makes that that big of a difference, but you know that they have the opportunities. I think it's, I think it's as simple as they're looking around the National League. They're seeing the Mets. They're seeing the Dodgers. They're seeing the Padres. You know, even the Padres, right? They're seeing the Padres. They're seeing the teams around them. They know all they realistically all they have to do is catch the Brewers, which they have every faith that they can do. They catch Milwaukee. They're in the playoffs. They have you know anyone in the playoffs has a chance, right? Like the Red Sox had a shit team last year and they were two wins away from the World Series, right? Yeah. Like not a shit team, but like you know, they they were they weren't you know a, they I'm weren't saying. the super team that we were talking about at the beginning of last year. Yeah, well they yeah, anyway, they had they had zero pitching. But the point is they were two wins away from the World Series, right? I think it's all they gotta do is get in. So if I'm if I'm the Cardinals, it's a simple matter of keep what you have improve a little bit to make everyone feel good like oh no we're we're in it we believe in this group here's just one or two extra pieces you know and and call it a day right um that's how i look at it and that's i mean again it, like, we, we transition easy transition here to the braves because they did the similar thing they did last year yeah and they did it again this year of like we're gonna fill in some role playing players if you will um granted it helps they just they extended their third baseman that that young kid right um what did they they had that crazy deal on the deadline with him right yeah with yeah yeah, yeah. um with what's his face um with austin riley they just signed him to right. the biggest contract in briefs history yeah which is now everyone's saying mookie bet or uh, rafael devers now has like a comparable he's going to be getting more than that obviously so sick the Red Sox are definitely not signing him um <laughs> such an optimist <laughs> um yeah so transition to the Braves here Jordy give us a little bit of rundown I mean I think that they picked up some key players and again all they really have to do is be better than Milwaukee or St. Louis which they will be you know whether they win the division or not they're you know, like you said, they just have to keep playing the way they're playing and they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, so they acquired Jake Odorizzi, another starter for them from Detroit, or from Houston, excuse me. Um, he used to play for Detroit. They acquired Robbie Grossman from Detroit, who played today, ended up being off the bat or off the bench bat for him, hit a double, ended up being a defensive replacement. So, like, it just adds into the depth there and seeing what they can end up doing with, with a player like that. They they made interesting little deals here and there. They have really figured out a way, like you said, to make these moves that no one's going to talk about right now. But if they make a deep postseason run, adding in a Grossman, adding in... Last year, Jack Peterson. Last year, Jack Peterson. We didn't even mention him before. Eddie Rosario was the one that I that I used, who is also an everyday player for them. But like now, they have all these different options within their outfield. They have a really good rookie in Michael Harris in Michael Harris the second. 
Um, Guillermo Ederia, I think is how you pronounce it, Ederia. Uh, he played today because Harris got scratched late and made some pretty awesome plays in the outfield for the Braves, and his bat looked pretty good there. Orlando Arcia is really solid. He's had, I think, two or three home runs in that two in this two-game series that just wrapped up against the Phillies. They obviously, obviously still have all the big names. You mentioned Riley. They traded for Matt Olson. Dansby Swanson's having a really good year. William Contreras is having a really good year, and they have Travis Darno behind him. And now seeing how they can potentially build their starting rotation. They have six legitimate starters. Freed's having a really good year. He was an all-star. Morton's had a really good year. Spencer Strider's been good. And then in the back half of the rotation, they just added Rizzi. So you look at the Kyle Wrights, the Ian Andersons, and you can tell one of them that basically you can be a long-term reliever for us. Or, depending on how this whole division race goes how the wild card chase is going they can go six-man rotation so they can save those arms a little more well-rested for the postseason and then once you get to the postseason how did the nationals end up winning the world series they brought out these big name starters out of the bullpen to be basically two starters in one single game right which is what the red sox did you know what's the red sox did when it's what the giants did with with fucking with madison bumgarner and yeah. I know you're going to go with, with Chris Sale, and I don't know. No, talk and since Evaldi, the yeah, well, Chris Sale, Evaldi, you know, the whole the whole thing they did. Yeah. They did with everyone. I mean, they're, they're, it was Sale, Evaldi, one, two, three was Ivan Rodriguez, Ivan Rodriguez, <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. And then they would bring in their fourth and fifth starters to, you know, whatever. Anyway the second time the rotation, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, the Braves, you could argue the Cardinal, you know, we talk about the two of them making these subtle moves that affect the now, but maintain the long-term goal in the future. And again, well, and they, stop they, me they, if you've they, heard this before, but young guy for the, the Nash- Braves gets hurt for the year and they just bring in these little different pieces or they find a guy to fill the hole. Ozzy right. Albies is out. Then they I mean, find the, guys to fill the hole for it. But it's like the National League, there's really only one team that's not going to make it. Right? Like the yeah, American League, there's. We're now the down American to seven League. teams. You're exactly right. right. We're now down to seven right. teams. And it's so either you, be. So you, you only have to be better to than Giants one. fans, but. You, yeah, you only have to be better than one. Yeah. You only have to be better you need than to one. See, they, they, didn't, they decided to be kind of, kind of sellers at the deadline and they kind of added from waivers and didn't really do a ton. No. The Phillies and, added and again. the Braves added the Cardinals added the the Padres definitely added. The Mets didn't really add but they've already added and they got Jacob DeGrom back. They got Max Scherzer back a couple weeks ago. So you're right. It's down to seven teams in the NL. That's what I'm saying. So realistically small moves and again you only have to be better than one person. So or one other team. So I think it's it's perfect for them. Do you want to get into the Mets and Phillies, our last two teams to talk about? Yeah, I mean, the Mets is pretty quick. The Mets, um, you know, they feel comfortable where they are. They added a couple different guys. They, they added DeGrom. They added DeGrom. Congratulations for them on the a big trade deadline acquisition. 
Um, they lost yeah, the would... Jacob deGrom start. Again, I think it's 48 and 46 in the last four years. Uh, Jacob no, didn't he only pitch like four innings, though? He pitched five innings, but he had like nine strikeouts. So Jacob deGrom. But my point is that when like they, in, when they can unleash saying, him. In two, yeah, exactly. In two or three starts when he's going eight, yeah, nine yeah, innings, yeah. They'll, be, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I only say that to try to pepper the Mets fans. You're in first place, and you know hit the Phillies. You, you get a, you've gotten enough out of me. Um, the, 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 only, the only thing that I think the Mets did wrong is they didn't get enough bullpen help, right? Like, they have, a, they have a great closer. They have some good starters, but they don't have those middle guys to get to the closer. Yeah, it's interesting, right, because Trevor May is hurt. Um, Trevor Williams and Adam Adovino have been, have been good deals for him. Adovino has been a really good deal for him which really just makes the kick in the dick of the Yuri's Familia deal with the Phillies just so much worse because I think Adovino is getting paid like $3 million less than Familia, and Familia just got DFA'd and was fucking terrible for the Phillies. Um, hey, but are, we, are we talking about the Phillies or the Mets? No, no, no. I'm, I'm coming back to the Mets. I'm coming back to the Mets. But so they end up basically swapping, and it's a five-player deal, but it's basically swapping J.D. Davis for, for Darren Ruff. They end up – they signed – Vogelbach, or not signed, they traded for Vogelbach a week ago. They ended up getting Tyler dude, that Naquin. That dude is a unit. That dude is a unit. That guy, the, the internet videos, not really memes, because they're, they're gifts, if you will, not even, they're videos. But yeah, he is an absolute unit. They added Tyler he Naquin. Is absurd. But they, but like, kind of like you, what you were just talking about with what the Braves did, the Mets added little pieces here and there to supplement their lineup. They, we heard about it from Matt Marcus last week of their DH spot was a glaring hole and they needed somebody to hit the left-handers. And because Vogelbach is, he bats right, they're left-handed, so he hits righties. They added Darren Ruff, who's a right-handed bat, can hit lefties. And it just, Again, not to make this about the Phillies, but I can just feel it in my bones. There's going to be a Mets-Phillies game. There's one next week. And it's going to be Darren Ruff up with the bases loaded. Granted, this would have to be like a pinch hit situation because it would probably be Vogelbach as the DH and not Darren Ruff. Or somehow Thor is coming out of the bullpen. But he's going to hit a grand slam. He's going to. And for those that don't know, Darren Ruff is a highly touted Phillies prospect that they completely fucked up. And had a resurgence in San, in San Francisco. But they figured – but going back to the Mets, they figured out the DH spot. They, they – but, like, they just tinkered here and there. And they know from coming into the season with the rotation they were supposed to have that they now have again of DeGrom, Scherzer, Carrasco, Bassett, and Walker having a decent bullpen. I don't want to say they – I agree they probably could have added more. And gone out and gotten David Robertson, who got traded to the Phillies, or gotten you know any other player that's named out there that was on the move. But they really were able to fill in those different spots, and they still have guys that they can insert into the lineup here and there, give days off to Pete Alonzo so that Darren Ruff plays first, and Alonzo can either take a day off or DH for a day. You can figure out ways to use uh, Luis Glamour. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Again, not a pronunciation guy. But you can, f- like, you have different, like, Tyler Naquin adds different adds a different wrinkle to this lineup now because you can use him maybe not necessarily in a platoon spot, 
But if Mark Canna's bat is, clo- is, is cold, you can insert him into the lineup and tell Canna, hey, take a day off, go work it out in the cage. They really did things here similar to what the Braves did a year ago and did this year of adding depth. And again, you're right. The bullpen could use some help, could use some massaging. But they did a lot of the right things here. And really, it now becomes a question of, do the Braves catch the Mets? I mean, let's let's call it what it is here, right? All the Mets had to do, like, they're, they have, they just have to get in. They have the starting pitching in terms of playoffs. They have a guy who's won a World Series. They have DeGrom, arguably the best pitcher of, the, of this current generation, right? So it's like, they don't, they they have hitting to an extent. They don't necessarily need much, like we were talking about. And again, you have to be better than all. You have to do is be better than one other team. Well, I think to your point too. The last time the Mets made the World Series in 2015, what did they mainly have? I answer the question. Pitching, Ex- pitching, yeah, an excellent starting rotation, and they have that again. I answered it. I answered the question. You did answer it. I, the the <laughs> gentleman recognizes the man from Massachusetts. The other thing going the Mets way that I think is worth noting is, yeah, they have to play the Braves a lot. They get to play the Phillies two more times, six more games. They get to play this little run that they get. Basically, once they're done playing, they play the Braves this weekend. They get three games against Cincinnati. They get three games against the Phillies, which has not gone well for the Phillies so far this year. Four games in Atlanta, three games in, or four games in Philly, two games against the Yankees, which went well last week. Then they get to play Colorado. They host the Dodgers, which is a weekday series, and that's an MLB fuck-up, which both teams are hyped going in, and that should be a weekend series. That should be ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. But then in September, let's run through it. They play... The Washington Nationals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Miami Marlins, the Chicago Cubs, the Pittsburgh Pirates again, the Milwaukee Brewers, that's tough, the Oakland Athletics, the Miami Marlins again, the Atlanta Braves, and then the Washington Nationals. They have a you very... Make, are you making excuses for why the Phillies are going to lose out to the Mets? They've already lost out. To, the Phillies aren't catching the Mets. Unless the Mets... Unless something 2007 catastrophic like happens. No, no, I'm making the case for the Mets. The Mets have an incredibly easy schedule down the stretch. Once they get through this this kind of gauntlet, because it's like four series and seven of those games are against the the Braves. Once they get through that, they have a very easy schedule in September. And, I mean, if you're a Mets fan, don't count your chickens before they hatch. But that's a pretty good sign. You get to play the Pirates, the Reds, the A's, who notably got shit on by a fucking NFL team, the Cubs, who just sold out, the Marlins, who didn't totally sell out like people thought they were going to. But you get to play them. And your hardest games are the Dodgers, the Braves, albeit 10 times, and maybe the Brewers in Milwaukee. And you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, taking the words, I I think that they adding Degrom is enough for them. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. we're over, we're over, we're under, 
evaluating that, but adding DeGrom is enough. Um, let's get into the Phillies, Jordy. Let's get into the Norse God. The Norse God. Well, so back up a minute because that was the the last second sizzle that you put on the fajita topping. It's the fajita topping that makes it sizzle. The Phils come into the week with making this weird deal, to put it simply on Saturday, of trading JoJo Romero for Edmundo Sosa with St. Louis, who is a utility infielder who got immediately got put in AAA. So we'll see what happens from that. People came into the came out of the weekend trying to figure out what the hell is going on with the team. Are they going to actually make a move? We, you know, pitching was obviously a big part of that. They needed to add a starter. Another guy in the bullpen would be nice, and maybe somebody to figure out center field. The first deal comes over the line, and it's adding Brandon Marsh in exchange for. Logan O'Hoppy, who we've heard nothing but great things about him throughout this season. He skyrocketed up Major League Baseball prospect boards. He was a catching prospect. The Phillies obviously have GT Romito signed to a big deal. And people were thinking, shit, this is a terrible move. O'Hoppy is potentially the future of the franchise if, if JT, after his deal runs out, doesn't resign or or this, that, and the other thing. Brandon Marsh strike I keep wanting to call him Brandon Marshall Brandon Marsh strikes out a ton his batting average is terrible but he's a good fielder to which the first part I say all right he already fits in with the Phillies he strikes out a ton the good fielder that's something good so I kind of came into that with eh eh feeling a lot of people were pissed off about it because they loved Ohapi but it seemed like he was going to be a trade chip a lot of people were hoping that was going to be for a big name. We saw Castillo go off the board. We saw Montas go off the board. You were hoping, because this was a deal from the Angels, that it was going to be Marsh and Syndergaard. That was a name that was going to be thrown around. But the Phillies weren't done yet. They traded and really reunited with David Robertson, who three years ago the Phillies signed to a deal. He played in seven games. And he got Tommy John surgery. COVID happens, the shortened season. David Robertson tries to come back, doesn't happen. And, you know, that was his career with the Phillies. Has an incredible season with the Cubs. And the Phillies bring him back. So he gets reactivated after three years. He's finally back. So you're thinking. You know, I, saw you make that, I saw you make that joke on Twitter. I don't know if. It, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if I. Anyway, sorry. Well, yeah, you know, it's... My jokes are weird. My jokes are weird. No, listen, listen. I chuckled, but it took me so long to get it. Yeah. Well, you're not a Phillies fan. You don't understand the the pain that we've all been through. Um, I mean, are you really going to say that to a Red Sox fan? That's why I said it to a Red Sox fan. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Only one who would understand. Well, there's a, I think there's a couple million people in, in on the north side of Chicago and their various suburbs that might also understand, but I digress. They're soft. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing I already got married. You'd uh, you'd have a lot of my cousins barking at you if my wedding was this December, not last December. Um, but so, 
we get into the final hour of the trade deadline. And Greg, you know I like to ride my brand name stationary bike that will remain nameless because we don't get paid by them. Although I, I love it. Find me, Jordo9, just like my Twitter handle. You can pretty much figure out what because they've cornered the market. But so I'm kind of scrolling Twitter and kind of figuring out what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, Noah Syndergaard's name comes back up. Well, actually, I'm skipping things. Carlos Rodone's popping up as a potential Phillies target. Um, shit, who was the other one? Um, somebody else. Somebody else is popping up. But it, I'm, now I'm burying the lead. Syndergaard's name pops back up. And the deal gets done that the Phillies are getting Noah Syndergaard for Mickey Moniak, who in on this very podcast in the NL East preview, our good friend Sean and I got very excited about him because he had a great spring training, only to find out midway through recording that he was going to be out because he broke his hand, and then he came up and didn't perform terribly well. And this guy, um, Jadiel Sanchez, was the other prospect that got sent for him. But Noah Syndergaard's coming to the Phillies. And Greg, you want to know the best thing? Noah Syndergaard already has a relationship with the Philly fanatic. Did you know this? Trudy, I don't think anyone <laughs> in the world knows this. Give it to us. Well, Noah Syndergaard tweeted it out. So if you are a Phillies fan and you follow, you follow him or you follow any Philadelphia-based sports account, you'd see this of... Noah Syndergaard retweets a clip of him stealing the Fanatics ATV during warm-ups of a Phillies-Mets game and captured it, well, this is awkward. Not only that, Greg, nice. but he changed his Twitter banner and his Twitter bio to the gang from It's Always Sunny. That was his banner, and it says, It's Always Sunny. Text me. And he put a phone number out there that I may or may not text to tomorrow to wish him good luck on his first start as a Philly. You're the best. You know what? I love Thor. I love the Thor. Well, really, I love the sec the latter two Thor movies. The first one's okay. The second one's trash. Uh, but Ragnarok and Ragnarok's incredible. One of my favorites. And uh, Love and Thunder was good. That's my take on Love and Thunder. Um, but you know what? I'm excited. I've always liked Noah Syndergaard, despite him playing for the Mets or when he was on the Mets, because of the nickname, because of the power pitching, and I'm excited to see what he does. Now, obviously, he has injury concerns, which, God, I hope he doesn't run, cr come across any Flyers people because they're just fucking cursed. Everybody gets hurt as soon as they go anywhere near that ice. Um, wow. That's a, that's a conversation for you, me, and Mark about... What a, what a, what a ricochet shot. The, the Flyers are cursed. Everybody gets hurt on that team. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. People, just, people keep getting hurt. This off this is the off season from hell as a Flyers fan. Thankfully, I have the Phillies to be excited about. The Eagles are around the corner, and then what I have to I have to psych myself into convincing myself that the Sixers are going to do something to make me happy, while the Flyers just make me depressed. But anyway, the Phillies. I'm very right. excited about it. So today, so they made these moves, and you knew, you knew, you knew coming out of yesterday, feeling all hyped up. They filled all three spots they needed to fill. Starting pitching, bullpen, center fielder. They did it. They designated for assignment both Odubel Herrera, that scumbag, and Yuri's Familia, who Greg on Friday night almost blew 
a seven-run lead single-handedly in the ninth inning. They designate it was the perfect Phillies transaction day. And what do they do last night? They get absolutely shit pumped by the Atlanta Braves. Real kick in the dick. Today, Zach Wheeler on the mound. We get some good Phillies baseball. The first seven innings offensively stunk. But then the eighth inning happens. We get a run via challenge getting overturned. JT Romito beat out a throw to first base. And Nick Castellanos finally, finally hits a home run. And I say that because it had been since June 30th of this year that he had hit a home run. So the Phillies end up splitting the series with the Braves. I, I said it before. They've still split their season series with the Atlanta Braves. And they are in third place in the wild card, which now gets them in to the playoffs. They're half game out of the Cardinals, who were postponed tonight. They'll play two games tomorrow. So, depending, that's big depending on how things go. The Nationals are coming to town for... Hall of Fame weekend. We'll see. We will see where the Phillies end up. But the excitement is there. I didn't even mention David Robertson comes in today. Gets two strikeouts. Ends up getting the third out. Gets his first save in his second stint with the Phillies. So that's already, you're already pumped about that. He was wearing his Cubs cleats because he hadn't consulted his, his agent, a.k.a. himself to get new red cleats for the team. But they look good. They were wearing the red jerseys today, the Phillies were, so the, the blue cleats look good. But, you know what, I feel pretty good. I've, been, I've obviously been living and dying by this team. And, you know, now facing the Nationals, who are quite literally a skeleton crew this weekend, with a lot of hype with Thor's first start, Hall of Fame weekend, Wall of Fame day. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun pennant chase. The Phillies actually did what we wanted them to do instead of weird bullpen trades for guys that we scratch our heads about, like Aaron Loop a couple years ago. I know people are, you know, there's the whole Brandon Marsh thing, or the Brandon Marsh, what's that going to be about? But they have him under control for like five more years. So there's at least a positive there. They feel confident they can at least teach him how to hit, which the Phillies center field position has been, just a black hole of not being able to hit. But optimism, Greg. That is where we are. Optimism. I'm excited that you actually have some optimism. You know, it's been so long since I've heard you talk positively, so I'm excited. Well, to go on the pessimistic side, there was a oh, comment boy. today. We I mentioned the, the Dave Dombrowski talking about, like, the oh, people that still complain about our bullpen haven't been watching games. I still complain about the bullpen. And I have been watching games. The bullpen has pitched very well. But, that's a big but. And he conceded that yesterday stunk. Yesterday was a bullpen game. They had Nick Nelson start. Andrew Bellotti came in. Corey Knable came in and let up some runs. That's going to happen. And I'm allowed to be pessimistic about that. Because that's going to fucking happen. And I'm allowed to be worried about that. Because it's August. It's not September. In 2005, Billy Wagner fucking blew it against the, the Houston Astros, and the Phillies lost the, the only wild card, because there was only one back then, to the Astros by a game. 
closes that game out. The Phillies make the playoffs in 2005. So I'm allowed to be fucking worried about it, Dave Dombrowski. Don't tell me what, what to not be worried about. Although <laughs> adding David Robertson, A-plus move. Um, yes, yeah, so who's not getting in? Good God. Um, I mean, it's pretty much between the Cardinals and the Phillies. I mean, we almost have to stack up the schedules against each other. I mean, at least in this month, despite having to play the Mets twice, and that's that's it against the Mets, they get to play the, the Reds, who they haven't gotten to play at all, who trade away everybody practically. They have a lot of games against the against the Braves still remaining. They have to go to San Francisco. But they have a lot of games against the Nationals, so I feel confident about that. I mean, at this point, it's just who can beat up on the shitty teams more. And if the Phillies can, can live up to it, I, I would love to say the Phillies. But we, I mean, the Cardinals, those little tinkering moves like we talked about before, it's, you know, it's hard to think with how good their pitching has been with an MVP candidate, some Rookie of the Year candidates, that they find a way to be on the outside. So I I don't like making picks when Philadelphia teams are involved because I get biased. So I'm not going to make one, Greg. Just like in football, I don't make picks on Eagles games or when the Flyers are in the postseason, but that's probably not happening for a couple of years. Um, so I'm not making it. You, you guys have Carter Hart. Don't get me started on how the Flyers are going to ruin Carter Hart's career. Nah, he wasn't even that good. Had some hype around his world junior career. Anyway, uh, let's, um, let's cut. Uh, let, uh, I can cut that part, but let's let's forget the world junior career. <laughs> can't cut anything um yeah but uh if anybody's wondering I, what i'm I, talking I, about uh google 2018 canadian world junior team <laughs> you're gonna find some interesting results just say that usa hockey doesn't have that something we can both agree on usa hockey is great it is great we were robbed of USA hockey. we were robbed of an olympic gold medal Really quick aside before I give you the quick hitters in the American League, Greg. Did you see the the Coyotes' new stadium? I haven't. I saw the the video came out. I haven't watched it yet. I've watched the video, but the the images are crazy. All right, Greg. Some quick hitters because it's late. On the American League, first I'll let you say your piece about the Red Sox and the uh, various moves they made going into the deadline, and even at the All Star break. Xander, the the captain of this team, unofficial. Um, JD Martinez. All these people implored, begged through the media, probably to Heimblum's face. We have faith in our team. Please get us help. One or two pieces, like you did last year, and I guarantee we'll be two wins away from the World Series. I want to be here. I want to finish this out. Pleaded, begged. J.D. Martinez talked about how he loved playing in Boston. He hated being traded. What did they do? They sell their other captain, their catcher, of how many years? 31, 32-year-old Christian Vasquez. He's been a staple for them. He's been an unbelievable catcher offensively. One, You could argue one of the better offensive and defensive catchers in the game. You could argue. Combo. Um, they got rid of him. 
yeah. and a move that that was the first thing they did. Everyone was like, "Okay, shit, are we sellers? Where's JD going? Where's this going?" Blah, blah, blah. They go out, they get a first baseman, which they needed to get in the offseason, but they got it now, a defensive first baseman, Eric Hosmer. They still have big batch, J.D. Martinez, or um, Bobby Dahlbeck. They get zero pitching help. They go out and get Tommy Fan, a left fielder. They really needed a right fielder or center fielder, but whatever. They get an, an outfielder. A sell, Heimblum said we're going to sell, but buy at the same time imagine taking a 500 team taking away your your you could argue your your emotional captain and adding in a similar talent in terms of batting average and defensive prowess without having the chemistry with the boys taking a 500 team and staying 500 they needed pitching help if anything, they sold some of their bullpen guys. Uh, they didn't do anything to inspire. They didn't do anything to inspire the fan base. We talked about this last week. The organ, the ownership group, or two weeks ago, whatever, the ownership group has moved on to all their other endeavors, and they don't give a shit anymore. The prices are the highest. It costs the most to go to the game. It costs the most at the game. That little thing that came out the other week, literally, Fenway Park is number one on everything, and oh, the most ridiculous, a, the most ridiculous price chart ever. Yeah, exactly. And we're at a point where it's like they had the Phillies averaged at five dollar beers. They were eight dollars <laughs> when I turned twenty one. That was say, eleven years you, ago. You just got the tall boys though, so it's like average it out. I guess so. <laughs> if you cut them in half, yeah. Um, I, I, uninspired. They kept JD. Okay, they kept Xander. You're talking about a team that was firmly cemented. They were number two for a while in the division. Now they're last. They're three games, three and a half games out of the wild card, uh, and they're. That should tell you how good of the AL East is, but they're three. They're, they still they winning percentage versus the AL East. So inspiration, Jordy, all time low. That's unfortunate. Not my all question time. To you, it's obviously eighty six years. My question to you is: if you had to pick one player on the Yankees. For Tommy Pham to slap, who is it? Oh God, that's so tough. <laughs> See, I had some quick hitters. I thought of these. That's a tough one. Golly, there's so many good. There's so many right answers here. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, you want to say you want to say Stanton because he's a little bitch boy and he would crumble, but the Red Sox are Stan's so far. Stan's already hurt. Head. He's going to hit a man when he's down. As I said, the Red Sox are so far in Stan's head that it means nothing. You want to say Chapman because he's kind of a scumbag off the field, right? But at the same time, the Red Sox are so far in his head that we're fine there. The Red Sox put seven runs on Garrett Cole, so no, no issue there. 
They put six runs on Mustache Cortez. No issue there. Mustache Cortez. <laughs> Aaron Judge, obviously, with his gap tooth. Even though we're on Judge Watch. Pod- Judge Watch is very say, much on. If it wasn't for the podcast and where we are right now with Judge Watch, then, uh, you know, he would probably. But not even that. It DJ LeMayhew. This motherfucker is out of this world versus the Red Sox. I don't, he comes up and he gets singles. He doesn't do any RBI. He, he scores every run for them. He doesn't, he doesn't bring in any runs. He just scores them all. Um, anyway, let's move on. Next question. All right. Um, Minnesota Twins added a lot. Oh, God. Andrew Benintendi. The Yankees added. Dude, the, Yan- the Yankees got better. It's so frustrating. Imagine being the best team in baseball and then still thinking that you have to do all this stuff. Like... They added Dude. well. They added Montas. They added Benintendi. Minnesota Twins added a lot as well. We don't need to run through it. Do the Minnesota Twins oh. win a playoff game? Who are they playing right now? Well, currently they would play the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. Okay. Are we allowed? So you mentioned Vasquez. The Astros also added Trey Mancini. Are we allowed to like the Astros now? So because of Trey Mancini and Vasquez. Let me ask you a question. I always liked the Astros because I, the Red Sox beat them at their own game. You know, if you ain't cheating, you're not trying, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, what were we talking about? Um, why, why trade Odorizzi, if you're going to go so far in, if you're the Astros. Because they have a lot of starting pitching. They do have a lot of starting pitching. It's just more more curious about long-term. What? Uh... Anyway, um, the thing I don't like, uh, people like their, their, their space, whatever uniforms. I don't see oh, the it. City Connects. Everyone says they're the best ones. I don't see it. No, I think the Padres are the best. Padres are sweet. Those are like Miami Vice themed. No, yeah, but that's not Miami Vice is not San Diego, California. It's the dumbest fucking thing. Yeah. What would you want them to do? Top Gun? They could have. There's a huge Navy presence there. They could have done something with that. You know. That's why they they wear camo on Sundays. You're an AL (laughs) fan, so you don't know this. They wear camo on Sundays. There's so many things they could have done. The Red Sox have the best one, but. Regardless, and that's not even biased. That's marathon bombing. They have the yellow and blue. Those are the colors. You know, it, it's whatever. Uh, are the Phillies getting one soon? They are not on the list, which is, I guess, not really that surprising. They have the red jerseys. They have the cream day game ones. I don't know what they would do because whenever the like whenever Philadelphia teams, it's mainly the Sixers try to do these like Philadelphia themed jerseys. It's either way too like inside Philadelphia, like the fucking Boathouse Rose Sixers jerseys they did. They did the Rocky jerseys where it was basically Rocky's sweatsuit, so it was a gray jersey. Like the Phillies, like and the Phillies already have a gray jersey, so like, what would they like? What would they do with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs doing? Like make make themselves the cheesesteaks for a day? Like, I don't really know what they would do there. Yeah. All right. Fair. Um. All right, so here's here's where I stand. I 100% want the Astros 
to beat the Yankees and the Yankees get their hearts ripped out again in the ALCS and don't make it to the World Series. Well, here's the interesting thing, Greg. Oh, no, never mind. They're the two seed. Yahoo needs to fucking stop doing this. When you go to the wildcard tab, it does East, Central, West. It doesn't do it by by record. So it makes it seem like the Astros are the third team of their second team. So you're right. They would have to play in the ALCS. Yeah, I'm and, and venting about Yahoo the, here. The, the only scary part is that it's going to be Dodgers Astros again, which you know no one wants to see. But at the same time, golly, I want the Yankees to lose so badly. <laughs> so yeah, I think that I think we I think we're Mancini and uh, Vasquez and so we're allowed you know, to like I, the Astros. All I right. still hate Verlander. I think I always like the Astros, but right, I, I, I hate I Verlander. Two, I got two more for you. Toronto Blue Jays, quick one here. You mentioned Toronto's a tough place to play. Will Whit Merrifield play a game in Toronto? And would you pay for footage of him having it vaccinated? So for those who don't know, right, you have to be vaccinated to be in Canada and they traded for a guy who is not vaccinated. Correct. I, you have to imagine they had a conversation with him or the GM in some regard. You have to. Like, you have to think they did. Yeah. He, let's let's say that the majority of the games on the road for the rest of the season, you know, which they're not, but let's just say they are. Technically, right? technically they are. They've played more home games, but not a significant majority. That's my point. What, what, but what, let's let's even say it's 60-40, which is not. But you're still, still talking about 40% of the games that you already got a, a rent a player for. You're gonna, you're gonna not have, you know. That's just dumb. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine he, in route to, in route to Toronto, got vaccinated. Yeah, he got the first shot. Um, and then finally, the wild card chase in the American League. You alluded to this before when you said there's only seven teams in the National League. The second wild card right now: Seattle Mariners, who added Luis Castillo. One game over Tampa, who's one game over Cleveland, who is a half game over Baltimore, who did some weird selling and kind of buying, but mainly selling, who's a half game over Chicago White Sox, who's a game over the Red Sox. Do the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs? The way they went all in, you have to imagine, yes. However, they got hot at the wrong time. Weirdly, they've played, it looks like, six less home games than ro- than road games. Their offense, like, they, their pitching was already pretty good, which is what makes, like, adding Castillo such a, like, over-the-top type of move. I guess they have in their back pocket that they play, I'm just looking at their schedule now, they play a lot of the low class of the division and also the Royals who sold once again a ton throughout this, but they have to play either teams that are in the hunt for the same spot they're in either one of the last two wildcard spots or maybe even the third or maybe even the first one. Toronto's only two games up on Seattle, but they also play good national league teams, which is concerning. Like they play the angels this weekend and they go play the Yankees, but they have like the, the Rangers, the A's a bunch they have to play the Padres, which is tough. But then the end of their schedule, literally their last three weeks are 
three games in, in Anaheim, or four games in Anaheim, three games in Oakland, three games in Kansas City, three games at home versus Texas, three games at home versus Oakland, and three games at home versus, or four games at home versus Detroit, who at this point basically just took a punt on the season to see what they have out of their prospects and whenever Spencer Torkelson decides to come back to the major leagues. So I'm going to so, say yes right, as so, well, yeah. but it's going to be, they're I mean, going to be a really interesting team to watch because they may end up being a huge crux in this whole thing. They've been so close the last couple of years, obviously last year. Dude, we were, we were, we were on our way to my prediction of four teams in the alleys being in it. You were. And then the Red Sox we were, decided not to, not to field baseballs. We were, oh my God, the defense. Don't even get me started. We were so close. We were on our way. Yeah. The Red Sox, their pitchers were getting healthy at the right time. They had this crazy comeback against the Yankees, end up splitting the series at home, but they had a walk off and then they blew the doors off them. They put six on six and five on their two best pitchers. Oh, it was, everything was primed. They they got a hit. They got a scored like three runs off this Yankee closer who hadn't let up any runs all year. Everything was primed. It all fell apart. And then fucking Chris Sale and his goddamn pinky takes a lot takes a line drive off his hand. It's unfortunate. And dude, it just doesn't like. It's. Do you think it's the collars coming back to curse him? <laughs> nice. No, I think I think ultimately. You know, you got to be. You basically you're paying for Chris Sale for five years, but you you won one one World Series, so you know it is what it is. But Black Sox forever. I you've what you've four in fifteen years. It's pretty nice. I pretty nice. Sorry, there's such sorry, there's such a drought in your city. Um, I I'm gonna go here and say, like, this team is just on in uninspired for whatever reason and let's call it they have four they have four rookie pitchers who have pitched the last month and a half who aren't who weren't supposed to make major league debuts for another two years right like trajectory it's always of, interesting, of, always interesting trajectory tactic. Yeah, and it's like, well, they had to do it because they've all, they have all these injuries in their starting rotation and even in their bullpen, and they even have whatever. They my, my my point is like you're killing these you're killing these young guys' confidence. Some of them it's working out, but two of them it's not, and it's just like this one poor kid. He's like been the number one prospect. They're talking about calling him up. They called him up. He's gotten shelled in four games, and it's like, all right, this poor kid. Anyway. Um, I think we're primed. We're on our way, and I think the Mariners ultimately get in as as, and then obviously Baltimore and Tampa. I mean, uh, Toronto, Toronto and Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, I was gonna. That's that was my point. I was gonna say is I think the three teams that are in it now, they start to separate from the uh, the Cleveland, Baltimore, White Sox of the world. The White Sox, they're getting hot at the right time, but I, I think they just started the season injured and. Not really figuring out. Giolito's had kind of a weird year, and I think I mean, listen, I mean, the Guardians. That Central is nowhere near. The Guardians have really good over. pitching, and they have like they have a good top half of their lineup, but their bottom the half. Gar- is the, just... the Guardians, they've they they're like the Twins of old. They're not going away. You know, 
Even they aren't the going away. That's a fair point. Yeah. But I don't know, they're man. They're not like, going away. They're not going he, away. And the only like, thing you can really say is that they've played the, 10 more road games than they've played home games. And they're seven games above 500 on the road. And they are three games above five, or below 500 or ten, seven games above 500 at home, three games below 500 at, on the road. And they've already played 57 of their 81 road games. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy to see. I mean, that, I literally just looked at that, and that's absolutely nuts. And that, that, that goes to show that there's, like, a realistic chance that they... That they, they're going to... They're, they're pro- just stay in it. They're going to stick around. The White Sox just need to figure some things out. I mean, they were kind of a team, I think, that had their hands tied with... They have all these different names that are still super young that they probably couldn't have tried to really go for broke they tried to last year didn't work out for them but you know i guess i mean again i like i mean as much as i want to like but like the red sox certainly aren't out of it out of it and baltimore is overperforming and sure they got rid of trey mancini but like they're I don't see them. I mean, are they going to fade? You know, like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. It's a real, it's a serious question of like the, the, the American, the American league has so many more teams in it. Like who's going to fade and who's going to keep going is, is that's like the hardest thing to, to state. You know, you have to figure Baltimore falls offshore. You have to figure the guardians fall offshore. So now you're talking about Minnesota, the white Sox, Seattle, and I guess we'll throw in the Red Sox, but I mean, who in that list is is making it? Out of those White teams, Sox or Seattle, White Sox, Seattle. I think Seattle Minnesota. stays in. I think that I think Seattle did exactly what they needed to do to remain there, and I guess the only knock you can give on the Rays is like they made some weird tinker moves that. You know, Tampa normally does, and right now they're the yeah, third I mean, wildcard team and are the, ice cold. The Rays are always gonna—they're always gonna rely on their pitching and their young guys, and that's just how they're gonna be. I mean, this is um, quite literally like a textbook Tampa Tampa Bay Rays team. They, of all the teams that are in the playoffs right now, they have let up the the third least amount of runs behind the Yankees and Astros, two teams with very good starting pitching. And they've scored by far the least amount of runs. Every single team that we've just referenced, as well as the Texas Rangers, who are 12 games under 500, have scored way more runs than the Tampa Bay Rays have. Seattle's in an interesting position like that as well. They have a very Tampa Bay Rays-like setup, and they just added Castillo. But I think you're right in the previous assessment of Seattle did a Tampa Bay Rays of old of we're going to have really good pitching and it's just a can they stick it out? Will they hang it out? The, the Red Sox just won their first series since June. Jesus. Let that let that sink in. They just won their first series. Now, Jesus. sure, you have a, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, sure, you have the three-day All-Star break, but they just won their first series since June. Are the Red Sox series wins and Nick Castellanos home runs linked? No, I think he only, the Red has, Sox, nine, he only has nine home think, runs on the year. 
Maybe now ten. I think the Red. Today was either nine or ten. I think the Red Sox played uh, the American League East in July, and the reason why the Red Sox will fade is again we go back to this whole their record versus the American League East, which started out abysmally and has continued to get worse. Uh, I think that's ultimately their downfall. Even if you go 500 against your division, I think they're in a much higher position. I think they make, you know, they make crazy moves the deadline as opposed to what they're doing. I, I think they're 20% uh, against the American League East in terms of wins. So They have the worst uh, record in the American League against their own division. Against the whole, on the whole goddamn Hall of Baseball journey. Didn't mean to cuss, but. No, uh, the Nationals are worse. They're a lot worse. Hard to believe. It's shocking. The Washington Nationals Nationals have played 106 games, and they have nine wins. They're 9-38 against the National League East. The Red Sox are 12-29 against the American League East. (laughs) They're three games better than the worst team in baseball. Awesome. That makes me feel so good. No, the Nationals have played, have played more. They played more games against the East, so the Red Sox are way more than three games, three more wins, sure, but not as many games. Jordy, played. thank you for trying to put a positive spin on it. I always try to, and thank you for carrying me this podcast. I've been low energy, and it's only because the Red Sox are playing uninspired that I'm going to podcast uninspired, and I apologize for that. You thank know, you for carrying me tonight. You know. It's always great to catch up with you. So, Jordy, we didn't give a final, final trade deadline. Who won? Who, who, I, I, the Padres. Don't, okay, just because of Soto, don't give me that answer. I want to know. Because of Soto, because of Drury. Who, who, who actually put themselves in the best position to win the World Series this year? I mean, which is what the trade deadline is for. Comparatively to where they were? Or just who is going to win the World Series? Who made the right moves to get themselves over whatever hump they need to to win the World Series? I mean, the easy answer to that is that the Yankees, Mets, and Dodgers are still the front runners for the World Series. And the Yankees made the most moves and still made, you know, not they didn't make the splashiest moves, but I guess out of those three, the Yankees got Frankie Montas. They got the... They got the guy, right? They got the guy that's they been got, rumored to be traded all year, and they got him. They got him. They got a left fielder or right fielder, a left fielder, right, or right, yeah, whatever. They got, they got a left fielder, yeah. No, Andrew Benatendi. Him too. <laughs> they got, they got, but I'm looking at Houston, right? Yeah, Houston made some good moves. They got that pitcher from the Reds. Oh, yeah, you're right. They did. They got the other one. They didn't get uh, Molly. They got um, – name is escaping me. Um, he was an all-star, wasn't he? They got – no, got, they didn't get a guy from Cincinnati. Did they not get a starting pitcher? No, they traded away a starting pitcher. They traded away a starting pitcher. They picked up Will Smith, who's been – that's meh. Um, they got a catcher filled that hole. They didn't address their center field needs. 
So maybe Houston's not the right answer. The Dodgers, you can't include them because they stayed pat. Okay, the, so your rules were too vague. That's why I was asking. Because you were going to say who like made who who increased their odds to win the World Series, then it's... It has then to be it, the Yankees. has to be the Yankees. It's, be the Yankees. it's Yankees, Padres, and Twins are those three answers. All right, so not the Padres. So we'll say, it'll say Twins and Yankees. All right. Yeah, it's the Yankees then because Minnesota hasn't won a playoff game since like two, like 1998 or something. God, that freaking sucks. It does really suck. God, <laughs> I'm talking about the Yankees. You're talking about the Twins, but either way, both suck. <laughs> yeah, any which um, way. I think it's still the Dodgers title to lose. I think so too. Let's update the people. Uh, Judge Watch and Schwarber Watch. Uh, Schwarber, Schwarber Watch has fallen off. Aaron Judge watch, though, is very much alive. And he's done things that only the steroid players have done through the end of July of guys that have had that many home runs. He's a 43 right now, 93 ribbies. Alleged. I mean, I think at this point it's known those guys were doing steroids. But anyway... That Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds did in the 90s on those paces. He's at 43 homers now. We'll see. He's only got to hit 19 more in however many games the Yankees have left. At what point does it become a pressure thing because they're so far ahead that the only story that people can talk about is him hitting home runs? I mean, I think this was the same question for Mark McGuire. No, I'm talking about Stan. We were talking about Stan before. I, I, I'm over McGuire. Uh, Where's Stan coming on this? When we when we did Stan watch, dude, they were they would. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I thought you were talking about current day Stan, who's on. No, the it was like it was like list. Monday Night Football, and they were live looking into games. I mean, um, those are like you're right. They're live look-ins, but it's not ESPN's camera it's they're getting the feed from the satellite of the new york yankee broadcast my point being is judge a guy who notoriously is terrible in the playoffs in high pressure situations at least first the red sox is he a guy that can handle it and break the record we'll see i mean it's not he won't break 73 home runs but 62 He's going to break sixty-two. He's got. He's beaten Ruth's record. He's got to beat Ruth's record. No yeah, one. The Yankee. The Yankee team record. You're right. We will see. No one. I hope no so. One who, no one. No one who has been linked to steroids. Who hasn't been linked to steroids to beat sixty-three, right? Or sixty-two? No. So technically, in theory, this would be the first on paper clean guy. To in theory, beat in theory record. for the Lamos, but yes, it'd be the Yankee right. team record. And listen, Babe Ruth, if you're telling me he wasn't on something back then, I'd say you're lying. He probably had cork in his bat. He he probably had cork in his bat. He's a Sammy Sosa cork screw guy. Um, it helps the judges playing it. <laughs> it helps the judges playing, and he's got that short little. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to go through the, the the Yankee Stadium stuff. But my it, point is, we're on Judge Watch. I'm normal. I, I told you I was gonna be conflicted about this the whole time. I was so gone. We used to start the shows with it when John Carlo was going through in in 
Miami. I, I want to be on this. I want to be on the stand train, or the judge train, especially, especially if he's going to be a Red Sox next year, but he won't be. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a perfect place to end. Greg, thank you as always. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Jordy, will- thank you for carrying me tonight, bud. Hey, I got you, man. I got you. But everybody, thank you for listening. We will talk to you all soon, probably next week. But until then, let's go, Phils, baby. Let's go. Anyone but the Yankees. <laughs>